0: Hi, everybody. It's Kim Skorupski from the Faculty Factory Podcast. I've recently been certified as a professional coach through the College of Executive Coaching. If you're looking for a career navigator and some coaching, send us an email, facultyfactorykim at gmail.com. That's facultyfactorykim at gmail.com.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. Today's episode is a best of, featuring conversations we've had on this podcast discussing coaching. Today's episode features interviews with Dr. Rachel Bishop and Dr. Elaine Schulte. But I I do think it helps to start with just asking the question, what is coaching? we're very familiar with coaching like from sports teams and that's not entirely different than the concept of coaching for personal growth and I think of coaching as a process and I think of it as one person helping another person or a team achieve their goals. What really defines coaching is that it's an inquiry-based process and those questions that the coach asks help the client arrive at insight. So in other words, the coach is working as a partner, really, with the client. They offer up observations and they offer different perspectives, but the client is really the one making the discoveries and sculpting that path that they're going to move into, the change they want to make or the insights they want to achieve. So this, this relies on a premise, and this is one of the things I also like about coaching. It relies on the premise that the client really is well-fortified to move forward in their life. But, but there's just this obstacle sometimes getting in the way. They see where they want to be. It's like they can see over that stream to the other side, but they're just not sure how to get there. And that's that's a simple analogy, but I think it holds true for a lot of coaching. And the coach is able to help the client figure out how they're going to get over that stream to the other side. So it's, it's certainly a judgment-free zone. Many of us are in medicine and we understand the sacred, intimate space when you're sitting with a patient. There's no judgment, there's full confidentiality, and you are really there serving your patient. It's not so different than that, but the goal is that you're there serving your client towards achieving whatever it is that they're after. You, you know, and, and it can be a small thing, Kim. It can be, I just want to change a health habit. I want to start a new routine. I want to change a pattern of how I'm living my life. Or it can be global rethinking. I'm at a place in my life where this was what I wanted 20 years ago and I gunned for it and I got it. Now it's not as exciting as I thought it would be or I've grown and matured and I'm just ready for a new challenge and new learning. And gosh, how how do I make that shift? What do I even want? I don't quite know what I want, but I know I want something different. Mm -hmm. And just diving in and
2: exploring that. And, you know, I'll share what we're doing at Montefiore now. Using these coaching skills, I created a different type of program, one that the team in the department really wanted. They wanted formal mentorship. And I said, that's great. We're going to introduce coaching skills into this model because I know that they're effective, and I want this program to sustain. So we created a what we call a peer mentoring program, Uh, peer mentoring groups and in our groups it's not a one-on-one it's three junior people a coach and a mentor and they've all been trained to use these coaching skills and they they meet typically once every four to six weeks and every mentee gets a turn talking about one of their short-term goals and the groups are constructed based on area of interest so a typical group might be they might be a bunch of researchers or they're trying to get a publication out or they're trying to write grants. They don't know one another to start. And I can tell you from this program's gone on for almost two years, some of our groups, they use, they use these skills without even thinking. and they also report, particularly the junior people, are so excited to start mentoring. They didn't think they had the abilities to do this. They're excited to work with colleagues they don't know. They're excited to work with one another. And we haven't been able to measure this yet, but my belief is that people who are enrolled in this program are also becoming much more academically productive than if they hadn't. Participated oh in this gosh. particular program,
0: Elaine. Absolutely, you're 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 giving faculty members confidence and knowledge and skills. How can that that it's absolutely have to be associated with minimizing the isolation which we all have in academia? Yes. We see this all the time, and the burnout, yes. you know, minimizing burnout, mm-hmm. and just instilling people the sense of belonging and a, being a part of yep. something, and having yep. uh, a community of, of a tribe. I've got people who get me and care about me, and then that excitement about sharing it into the to the next generation of learners and going right. on. That's definitely right. viral. I can see how that is a good way of um, building community. So it's super innovative. I love the peer mentoring groups yeah. with the coach and the mentor. That's. Yeah. Incredibly yeah,
2: innate. it's 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 so much fun. It's so much fun to watch these junior folks really kind of thrive and um, learn to rely on each other. You know, some of these groups that have been going on for a while, you know, I just sit back and watch it happen. My my job as the coach in the group is to make sure that nobody asks a close ended question or uses some, you know, language that I would prefer that they don't use, but they're you know, they're pretty much on cruise control.
0: Now, tell me how, how coaching differs from mentoring. What's the difference between a mentor and a coach?
1: Yeah, well, that is a great question. I would start by saying there are a lot of similarities. So the goal of the mentor is to see their mentee succeed. And that is the same goal of, as the coach. But the the difference is when the coach and the client sit together, They have created kind of a contract, like this is our goal, and been quite specific about it, and there's a deliberate wish for some kind of shift or change that you bring to that coaching engagement. With mentoring, I see that more as as a developmental assistance. In other words, I'm a junior faculty person, and I am going to... This is like the fertilizer. These people are going to help me grow into this rich role that I have all these skills that I can bring into. But I might not be coming to the mentor with, there's this friction I have and I want to resolve it. I'm instead coming to the mentor with, here I am. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Can you help make sure I'm on the right track? You
2: know, the two things that are so cool about teaching physicians these skills is that They can use these skills in multiple, multiple ways. They can use them at work. They can use them at home. And we've actually tailored some of our programming to like very specific skills. So you can use a coach approach to feedback. You can use a coach approach to quality improvement. You can use a coach approach to mentorship. You can use a coach approach to leadership. Can you imagine that? And, you know, and, and, and the nuance there is that leaders can't always use coaching skills. Sometimes they just have to lead. It's like, people, you know, I'm a pediatrician and people always say, oh, you must use these kids, you know, skills with your kids all the time. And I said, you know what? I do. But sometimes you just have to be a parent yeah. and tell them what to do. Um, we, we use uh, coach approach to the annual review. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, sitting with your junior person and running the metrics and saying, great, you did a good job you could have more of a coaching conversation. Yeah. So again, raising their awareness. Well, how would you think like how would you like things to look for you in the next 3 months? What's most important to you? You know, here's another here's another story something that we do in our teaching. Uh, we spend a lot of time in a coaching conversation focusing on the individual's goals, motivations and values. So often, you know, we say what's your goal? Okay, how are you going to do it? What are you going to get there? How are you going to get there and what do you need versus what do you think about your goal? Well like what what's really important about that goal? Yeah. What else is really important about that goal? Yeah. What motivates you to go after yeah. that goal? Yeah. And get people really to sitting there for a long time because sometimes that's really uncomfortable for people.
0: Yeah, and how have your goals changed love, over time and they you, right, know, you started right. off here we talked about that last year you don't necessarily need to be married to that anymore. Can you envision a scenario where your goals may change or how has the economic climate or the the leadership climate or whatever you know changed or um you know, led you to maybe some different kind of a thing. So yeah, all those exploration questions versus, all right, time for my annual review. Let's march in, march out and not waste anybody's time. But I love how you're taking this concept of a coach approach to change a culture is what you've done. You've just made that part of the expectation that this is how we engage with each other.
1: You know, say there's a faculty member who is maybe mid-career, has a great clinical practice going on, a research a branch of their work, and they've been offered, um, maybe they've been offered a committee position, leading a committee in an area they're particularly interested in. You're, you're in faculty development. Maybe it's the um, curriculum committee, and they really love teaching and want to do more of it, but their plate is totally full. So they're sitting there thinking, do I want to take this on? I, I just see that I'm almost, I'm almost at burnout with what I'm doing, but this is really interesting to me. You know, how am I going to resolve this? So, so what coaching is not is just asking advice. So if they're just asking their, their friend, colleague, loved one, hey, this is what's been offered to me. What do you think? And that person says back, oh, you're playful. You shouldn't take it. Or, yeah, you've always wanted to go for it. You know, that's called advice. But it's quite different. That is not coaching. Coaching might A coach might respond by starting with, you know, well, what about this committee position on the curriculum committee? What about that appeals to you? Mm. What's drawing you in? Mm. And then the person has to stop and think, huh, well, you know, I really love teaching. I value teaching. Okay. Well, what about teaching? Like, what is it? And, and, you're, and you're kind of diving in a little. Okay. It's, you know, it's, it's developing people's potential. Okay. That's what you love. And then, you know, that can lead to exploring what their top values, interests, priorities are right then and then it, if you've been working with the client, you're, you're also entering that space of, well, what are you doing then that maybe isn't really matching up with those top needs right now? And as you work through this inquiry process, the, the client may come to the realization, hey, I'm sitting on this other committee that I joined five years ago, seven years ago. It was great at the time, that the pharmacy committee, I really wanted to be on it for these reasons. It's kind of stale now, I've been doing it. And there's this junior faculty member who's just joined, who's on no committees. That would be a growth step for them. Maybe, maybe they should take on the pharmacy committee, and I take on the curriculum committee. You know? And this is, this is kind of, uh, that's a simple example of you know, a solution-based to this problem. But it begins with exploring, why does the person want to do this? What's getting in the way? How might they want to approach resolving this, so coaching, you know, it's not consulting, and I will say to clients who I've worked with who are in healthcare, and leadership positions in healthcare, because I'm also in healthcare, sometimes the discussion gets to the point where they say, well, okay, Rachel, but what would you do, and and that's okay, you know, then I'll say, okay, I'm going to take off my coaching hat and put on my consulting hat, and I will offer some thoughts from perspectives of my own experience, mm-hmm. But you're sort of making that distinction. You can you can weave in some uh, uh, some kind of consulting thoughts, but that's different than coaching. It's also not therapy, mm-hmm. although it's very helpful. And you're trying to get to the root motivations. Maybe what's a fear? Why? It, where Where did that fear come from? Because we want to change it. It's a forward looking approach. You're not really going to spend a lot of your coaching time looking backward. Why did they become mm-hmm. fearful of? standing up in a group and expressing themselves. It's important to acknowledge it, and it's important to explore that it exists, but the energy is spent moving forward. Okay, we're we're accepting that this is a fear you have, and we're gonna work on ways and strategies to overcome that. Whereas therapy would say, okay, I see you have this fear, now let's go dig into your past and figure out why. Mm. And, And so that's a real distinction. Therapy is sort of backward looking and coaching is absolutely forward and movement looking
2: we know there's a lot of coaching that's going on in medical, in the medical school space. Some of it's performance coaching, some of it's academic coaching, some of it's life coaching. And I think, you know, for medical students, residents and fellows, and even junior faculty who are still trying to figure out who they are and what they're supposed to be doing, you know, this, all this provincial professional identity stuff. um, There's lots of opportunity for applications there as well. And I, and I think, you know, I care a lot about my senior faculty, too, who, you know, maybe nobody's ever really had a transition conversation Mm -hmm. with them. And Mm -hmm. maybe they've never really thought about what life might be like if they didn't come to work every day, because that's all they've done for 45 years. And how can you use coaching skills in a conversation like that? And I think they can be, those skills can be super valuable to leaders who are sometimes forced to have, you know, those difficult conversations with a senior faculty member. And wouldn't it be great if it was just part of a general development conversation from the day you you walked into your medical school or your health system? That's right. You are so right, Elaine. The
1: most successful coaching is successful because clients are doing some work in between the coaching sessions. So I've had clients where really, they don't have that much, they're not doing a lot of work between sessions and we still move forward. But the ones who I think make the big, biggest change and when you hear the word transformation, that's happening because they really invested time and make commitments after coaching session one, things they're going to do between coaching session one and two and so on. So the work you do at home and in between and the things you try on and the exercises that you're willing to engage with, that helps you move where you want to go so if that project is I'm stuck I don't really know what I want but I know I'm not getting that much joy and satisfaction anymore in what I'm doing then we would begin by sort of clearing off the space just just making a big wide open space and and beginning to explore well what excites you what interests you what when are you feeling like you're in flow like you're you know, lost in something, and they can be bringing in music. They can be bringing in mocking their dog. They can they can reveal that when they really have free time, they're like on a hack radio thing. It can be anything, and you begin to just let them open that space. And eventually, you actually hear a smile in their voice. And last hmm. time we're on Zoom, I mean, you begin to see this person who you've only seen in this serious way. You begin to see this child's expression come out because eventually it does. Yeah. In all of us is this creative creature, is this you know enthusiasm? But you you have to give it room. Transitions are one of my are the one of the areas I love working in the most. And you don't always know where you want to go. You just know you want to go somewhere.
0: Yes, oh, Doctor Bishop, I love that. Hi, everybody. It's Kim Skrupski. I've recently been certified as a professional coach to the College of Executive Coaching. If you're looking for a career navigator and some coaching. Send us an email, facultyfactorykim at gmail.com. That's facultyfactorykim at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions.